check. This is a blue one. There we go. That one went pretty good. That better? All right, so uh, back to my story. Uh, so I share this 10-minute broadcast with my students every, every day prior to class. And on Friday, the whole 10 minutes, usually they have three or four different subjects that they talk about, material they talk about. And the reason I do this, because I've seen how much our, our young people, our students, don't know about what's going on around them. They just don't have any idea. So this little broadcast kind of fills them in on some of the things happening. But this particular 10-minute section was totally devoted on 9-11. And today, this is the anniversary of 9-11. And I hate to use that word because anniversary usually denotes something really special, a happy time. But uh, today is that time. And, and the 10-minute broadcast was, was about all, all about the 9-11. And it was interesting to me. Because I talked with these kids, and I was asking, every time the class came in, I'd say, now, what age group are you? I obviously knew what age group. And they'd say, oh, we're 12, we're 13, we're 14, we're 15, realizing that none of them had, you know, had no, any, much of a clue about what 9-11 was. So they showed this particular portion of video. And uh, I noticed that uh, we, we dimmed the lights in the room, and I showed it, and I, and I just kind of watched the kids' faces as we showed it. I just kind of looked around, and I saw what, what they were doing or what they were not doing. In every class that I have, you always got one or two that always press the limits, you know, and they always take advantage of this and that, and that's just the way kids are. But as I noticed these students watching this video describing the events of 9-11, how they were just drawn to it, how they were sitting there looking at it and, and wondering, what is this all about? And the further they got into this, they were actually interviewing uh, young people who had lost their dads. Uh, in 9-11, in and, and the, the kids in the class were just spellbounded. They were looking and observing what was going on, and, and I just kind of just went along with them, and I was watching them, and, and normally when you get towards the end of the, of the broadcast, the papers start shoveling, you know, and they start closing their notebooks because I, I have them take notes. They start closing their notebooks and getting ready for class to get into the subject material, but I noticed as they sort of got to the end of this one, I looked out again at all the kids, and they were just... And this happened in every class. They were just drawn. They were just spellbound at what was going on and what was ha had happened that day. And as it came to the end, I just shut the projector off. And normally I just turn the lights on and we just jump right in. I just shut it off and I just sat still for about two or three minutes. And as I sat still, so did each one of the students. And I could see some of the girls actually welling up inside, not realizing what 9-11 was all about. And to me, it was a great opportunity to share with them about what happened that day. And as they sat there and as they were quiet, I mean, they did not move, not one class, and I didn't tell them not to. They just sat there and realizing what was happening. And I don't know where you were when that happened 15 years ago. I was teaching fifth grade, and I can remember exactly when it happened. And, uh, but, but I don't know where you were, and I hope you can remember that. And these students had no clue about what was going on. So I shared with them my understanding of 9-11, of and I, I shared with them the love of God, that, uh, that God loves even those 19 people that hijacked those planes and flew them into the buildings. You say, how can, how can God love somebody like that? Well, I don't know. But you see, I'm not God. I, I'm not God. I don't have the ability to... to manifest that love as easily as God would because I'm not God. And as I talked to these young people, I said, you know, this was a tragic thing. And if you remember, uh, right following this, that Sunday, for two or three Sundays, our churches were packed. Remember those days? 
they were packed with people. And the further away the event got, the less people were coming to church. But that's the way it always is. We always, we're always looking for God when he's, when he's, you know, when we don't have any answers. When we just, we, but that's not what we need to do. We need to look for God all the time. So here's what I want to do. I want to just have a word of prayer, and, and, and then we'll get into the message. And, and, and by 1130, quarter to 12, we'll be out of here. So just kind of bear with me this morning. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessings today. We thank you, Lord, that you love us the way you do. All of us that are so unlovable, but yet you love us. You gave yourself for us. And, Father, we, we thank you for that. And, Lord, as we reflect back on this day in 9-11, as we reflect back on the tragedy and the hardship that everyone saw and, and everyone felt at this time, pray, Lord, you'd help us to always remember, to always remember, Lord, that you love us and that you love all of us equally. And Father, we really have a rough time handling that sometimes, and you know we do. It's nothing new for you on how we feel. You know our hearts. But Lord, help us to realize that you love us the way you do, and that we're to love the best we possibly can through you. Now, Lord, bless this message this morning and, and all that's done. Thank you for, again for your love. In Christ's name, amen. Probably uh, this morning, uh, most of you, when you had your devotions before you came to church, probably turned to the book of Ezra. That's the, the common book that everybody turns to when they're do, doing their devotions, right? How many turn to Ezra this? Well, turn to Ezra now. Do that right now, if you would, please. Uh, obviously, the book of Ezra is not something that we, we very often look at. We very seldom, uh, you know, just, it's just another book of the Bible for us. But I want to look at Ezra today, and I want to look at the person of Ezra. I want to see if we can glean something from the book of Ezra and from the life of Ezra that we can apply to our lives. One of the most, uh, one of the most fun things I enjoy doing is teaching Bible stories from the, from the Old Testament. Now, obviously, there's, there's great stories in the Old Testament. There's great people in the Old Testament. There's great people in the New Testament. But I believe that this scripture right here, that this Bible right here, that there's not a word in this Bible that was ever written that was not supposed to be there. That's the way I believe it. And I believe that talking about these characters in the Old Testament, there's so much application that we can look in, in our own lives. And that's what the scriptures are supposed to be all about, is application, application to our lives. You hear many preachers get up and they preach and, and they, they, they say these particular things, and they didn't, then they don't give you the, yeah, but how? Yeah, but how? Here's what you told me that, that I should be and what Christ expects us to be. But you didn't give me the yeah, but how? And I'm going to try to do that today if I can. So just kind of bear with me. Let's go through this story. Now, what I'm going to do is I want you to be at chapter 7. Chapter 7, and I would like for, for you to look at the first uh, five verses of chapter 7, if you would please. The first five verses, and I'm going to ask somebody to stand, but I'm going to give you a chance to look at it. So turn to Ezra chapter 7, verse 5 verses, and I'm going to have somebody stand and read that. But just kind of look through it briefly there uh, before you volunteer. Um, just anybody would like to volunteer to read that? If you are, you're a better man than I am, I'll tell you that for sure. Because what that is, is that's giving you the lineage, the lineage of Ezra. It's telling you 
who begot who basically and who's the father of who and who's and, and some of those names if you if I had to spend the rest of the day I couldn't pronounce them so we're going to move down to verse number six let's get into that so they talk about Ezra and they give his lineage basically and then we talk about uh, we go right into who he was so let's look at chapter uh, seven verse number six it says after all those other verses it says this Ezra came up from Babylon he was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he asked, for the hand of the Lord, uh, his God, was on him. Now, that's what I want you to understand and really pay attention to today is that one verse right there. We're going to do many of them, but it says, The hand of the Lord was upon him. The hand of the Lord was upon him. I wish I could say that the hand of the Lord was upon me all the time. Sometimes the hand of the Lord is upon us and we don't even realize it. We don't even know it. But most of the time when the hand of the Lord is not upon us, we know it. But he sa it says in the scriptures here that the hand of the Lord was on him. Now let's set the picture here just a little bit. And let's talk about what has happened here. Uh, long about 457 B.C., somewhere right in there, Ezra led a group of, of the people, of the Jews, uh, from Babylon ca captivity. They were captive. They were, they were slaves. Uh, a lot of the early times of, of the Jews were in slavery. Now, the group consisted of about 1,500 people. That's give or take a few. And of men and their families. And the journey would take about four months to get from Babylon where they were going to Jerusalem. So get the picture here. Now, it took a place about 80 years one thing that we we sometimes we forget when we're looking at the scriptures we forget that sometimes the period between this particular story or this particular book of the bible and this particular one is it, it's many years you know some of the some of the chapters there's two three four hundred years between this particular book is there's about uh, about 80 years uh, between when uh, Zerubbabel was sent to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. So here it is. The, the first six and a half, seven chapters of Ezra talks about Zerubbabel going and building, rebuilding the temple. The physical rebuilding of the temple. So about 80 years later, then Ezra is sent. His group is sent to do one specific thing. And that was to restore the people. You see, Zerubbabel had gone to Jerusalem and rebuilt the temple, but in that 80-year period since he rebuilt the temple and Ezra was sent, the people began to fall away. Now, there was a couple of commands, a couple of things that the people were not supposed to do when they went there, and one of them was that they were not to intermarry with non-believers. They were not to intermarry. That was a command of God. Send them there. Remain pure and do not, because of this, they were paganistic, they were polytheistic, these are the pagan, the pagan individuals, kind of inside Jerusalem and surrounding Jerusalem. But over that 80-year period, they began to intermarry. The guys went out and sought these, these women, these pagan women, and over the period of 80 years, things began to develop where the men and the women that were intermarried began to slip away from what God said. They began to slip away from what the Jewish traditions were because they were drawn away by the polytheistic beliefs of these people that they married. So this was the problem that he was supposed to go and take care of. 
So as we look at this, just kind of bear with me, and we'll go through some of these verses, and, and we'll talk about it. But I want you to, to, when I finish here, I want you to see how you can be, you can say that the, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Give you some ideas of things that will help you get there. All right, so let's look at this. Now, the whole theme, understand the whole theme of Ezra's life was that the hand of the Lord was upon him. His whole theme. And again, it wasn't braggadocious. It's just that this is just kind of how it is. Six times in this chapter, six times in this chapter, he talks about that. He attributes his, his success to the hand of the Lord being upon him. Now, let's look at how the hand of the Lord was upon Ezra. First off, if you go on to the next uh, verses, let's, let's move on. Uh, let's go over, we're on, a, let's go to about verse number 12, if you want to get there. Now, this is a letter that is written by Artaxerxes, the king, if you will. This is a letter written giving uh, the permission for Ezra to do what he needed to do. But what's so interesting about all of this is that this is something that's pretty much unheard of. The kings just didn't do this, especially the king of Babylon, especially the one who had these, uh, these Jewish people as slaves, as servants. You just didn't see this happening. So the fact that it was happening was just a, a miracle in itself. Just the fact that the king, Artaxerxes, went to Ezra and said, go. Just that one fact is pretty much something never heard of. But he does more than that. He does... a. Um, a lot more than that. And, and Ezra's just, he's almost bewildered. He's almost bewildered. Now, here's what he says. He says, because the hand of the Lord was upon me, Artaxerxes allowed me to do this. Verses 12 and 13, allowed him first to go to Jerusalem. Then it says, as you read along this letter, he was allowed to take silver and gold to buy the animals for sacrifice. All the silver and gold that you thought you might need. You could take offerings and take all of that silver and gold and what you might need. It's interesting that Artaxerxes didn't say to him, uh, you know, just take it and buy whatever you want. Now, you see, Artaxerxes said, and this had to be the hand of God. He said to him, buy the animals that you need to do your sacrifices. Buy your animals so that you'll have plenty of animals for sacrifices. Take that money. And he said, by the way, anything that's left over, he said, go out and buy a boat. He said, go out and buy a big old 30-footer with twin Yamahas on the back of it. And, and you, no, he doesn't say that at all. He says, the rest use for the work of the Lord. The work of the Lord. He said not only that, he said that you're going to be free from taxation. You will be not taxed for this. Then he said, you need to find the people that you're going to need to set up your magistrate and your judges. You're going to get all the people that you need to kind of be there in your, in, in your presence to work with you. This is a Babylonian king. You've got to understand that. Something or somebody was working on him. And that's what he said do. Now let's go to chapter 7, verse 27 and 28. So we're jumping over there. Uh, this letter here is from uh, verses number 12 all the way down to 26. That's the letter that he talked about there. But 27 says this, Praise be to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who has put it into the king's heart to bring honor to the house of the Lord 
in Jerusalem in this way. You see, he gives credit why Artaxerxes is doing what he says. Blessed be the Lord who put this in the king's heart. And who was extended, extended, who has extended good favor to me before the king and his advisors and all the king's powerful officials. Because the hand of the Lord was on me. I would underline this one next coming up. I took courage. Because the hand of the Lord was upon me, I took courage. He knew that what was happening in the heart of Artaxerxes could have only happened through the, the, the power of God. He realized that. I believe Ezra was extremely humble. I, I believe he said the hand of the Lord was upon me. And, and, and you know, he was kind of like, I don't understand. And then he kind of said, but the hand of the Lord was upon me. I've got courage. I've got courage to do what he says he wants me to do. Very interesting, I thought, right there. How he steps up and he says, because the hand of the Lord was upon me, I took courage. Now, where was the hand of the Lord upon uh, Ezra? It was first off in finding the servants for the temple. That's what he looks for next. In providing safe journey to Jerusalem. God's hand was upon them every step of the way. And it says they safely arrived in Jerusalem. I wonder in our, in our lives if we can actually look back and we can say, because the hand of the Lord was upon me, I took courage. Because the hand of the Lord was upon me, I witnessed to this individual. I told this individual about how much Christ loved them, about how much God loved them and sent his son to, to die for them. I wonder how many of us could say that, you know, we, we looked around and we saw this person in need. And, and because of God, we took courage and we, we went and we helped them. We did what, what you want us to do. From the very beginning to the very end of this particular portion of Scripture, God's hand was upon Ezra. Now, I'm going to suggest some reasons why. And these are what I want you to get today if you don't get anything else. These are the reasons I believe, and it's in the Scripture, and I'm going to use the Scripture there. Number one, there's going to be about four of them here. Number one, why the hand of the Lord was upon Ezra was because Ezra had prepared himself. Ezra had prepared himself. Verse number nine, you're going to have to go back. He had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month, and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the first month. For the gracious hand of the Lord was upon him. For, this is verse number 10. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the laws of the Lord. And to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. I say to you, the Lord blessed him. One of the reasons was he was prepared. He was prepared. He looked into the law. He knew the laws of God. He knew, he understood the books. He understood what it was he needed to do. He studied, if you will. And that's what the scripture said. So he was so well prepared. He prepared himself. It says God was with him, for Ezra had prepared his heart. He had to prepared to seek the law of God. And he was prepared to do it. 
whatever that it was, he was prepared to do it. And he was prepared to teach the statutes and ordinances in Israel. He was prepared. I think sometimes we're not prepared. We don't prepare ourselves. We don't prepare our hearts. We don't go to God and say, God, please, I, I need to know what you want me to do. I, I need to seek this, what you want me to do. We're not prepared. Ezra was prepared. His heart was prepared. Secondly, Ezra had sought the Lord. He had sought the Lord. He had sought the Lord, and he had made himself useful for the master. He sought the Lord. He, he actually went to the Lord, and he said, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? Not only was he prepared mentally, if you will, intellectually, but physically and spiritually, he was going to the Lord. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I be prepared? Remember his famous words there were, I took courage. I took courage. That's what he did. He sought the Lord, and he took courage. So that would be the second thing. He had sought the Lord. Ezra believed that God rewarded those who diligently sought him, who diligently sought him. That's what he believed. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who, com will come to him, who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Those who earnestly seek him. The next one is this. Ezra was, here's a, here's a tough one. Ezra was willing to step out on faith. He was willing to step out on faith. He had faith that God was with him. He had seen these things happen a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time. And then he gets this letter from, from Artaxerxes telling him what he can do. And so he steps out on faith. Okay, God. I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I know what you want me to do. And I know that you'll bless me. Now give me the strength. I have faith. And he went out. It was no easy task for him to do this. This was nothing that was very simple. This was not simple at all. Ezra illustrated that he had a living and working faith. He illustrated that in his life. Now we get to the end of the particular portion of Scripture here when we're talking about why he actually went. And here's the fourth one. Ezra was willing to face difficult situations. Willing to face difficult situations. You see, he had to go, he had to go into Jerusalem. He knew it was what God wanted him to do. He had to go in Jerusalem. And he had to go to the people. And if you read further on, he had to go and tell those that were married to the pagan individuals that that could not happen. That they needed basically to separate and get rid of those. Because that's not what God wanted. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the same situation. I'm just saying that that's what we need to do. We need to Boy, that was a difficult thing for him. He was just coming in there. And he had to, and if you read, that's exactly what happened. So God wants us to face difficult situations 
through his faith, the faith that we have in him. Now, upon his arrival, it was a very difficult situation. He was so almost distraught, even though he had courage, he was distraught not for what he had to do, but where the people were, where the people had gotten. He went into a place, and and he began to fast, and he began to pray, and he began to say, Lord, uh, this is what you, I know this is what you want me to do, and, and I have courage, but my heart breaks for these people that have turned away from you. He went into a time of fasting and praying, God, give me the right decision. Give me the right decision. He confessed to the Lord the sins of Israel. He accepted the responsibility that was his. How easy would it have been for him to rationalize, you know, I'm here, Lord. We'll get this straightened out, but we'll just kind of take our time. And, you know, maybe it'll work out. Maybe if I just kind of pray a lot and fast a lot, maybe it'll work out. I wonder how many times we do that in our lives. We just kind of... You know, we don't, we don't do what God wants us to do. But he was so distraught, but yet he took courage. Now, my question is this to you today. Do you have the courage? Do you take courage because God is upon you? Do you seek to be where God wants you to do, be? Do you seek to do what God wants you to do? That's what's important. That's what I want you to get from this message. The hand of the Lord was upon Ezra because... He was prepared. He prepared himself. He sought the Lord. He was willing to step out in faith. He was willing to face the difficult situations. The difficult situations. The hand of the Lord will be upon all of us if we prepare ourselves to be useful to the Master. If we seek the Lord with diligence and faith, if we step out in faith against the odds, and if we face difficult issues and situations head on, can we say, after we do all of these things, I took courage? I promise you, if you do these four things, that God will give you the courage, that he can't help but put his hand upon you and bless you. He cannot help but do that because that's what he's seeking for all of us to do, those of us that have believed that Christ died for us. That's what he expects us to do. That's what he desires of us. He desires that we be the Ezra's of our time, the Ezra's of our workplace, the Ezra's wherever we are. That's what God desires us to be. Now, we can only be that, obviously, if we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Now, here's what I want you to do today. I want you to just bow your heads, if you would, please. Everybody, nobody looking around. Just a couple questions this morning. Just by the uplifted hand, and please, no one looking around, just by the uplifted hand. Are there those here today that would say, you know, I really desire, I really desire to be that Ezra?
I really want to be that individual. Anybody here like that today? Just raise your hand, and I'll, I'll pray for you. You just want to be that Ezra. You just, you just, you know, you just want God to work through you. You want to be able to say, you know, I took courage. God bless you. Hands all over. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless all of you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you so. I'm, I'm blessed by that. I just want you to know that I'm extremely blessed by seeing the uplifted hands this morning. I'm going to pray for you now. God, I pray for those that have lifted their hands this morning. And you know, Lord, when we come to you and we talk to you and we pray to you, Lord, you, already, you, are, you know our hearts. You, you know who we are. And Father, for those that have raised their hands this morning and they want to be as Ezra, they want to have that courage, that they, that they want to be that individual you want them to be and to do those things that are difficult to do, Lord, I pray that you just bless their lives today. I pray, Father, that you would just have your hand upon them. Lord, that they would seek you, that they would study your word, that they would seek to make you the master in their lives. And, Lord, that they can be the Ezra that they so desire to be. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be that too, Lord. I, I just pray that you would just help me to, to, in my life to be that Ezra. And, Father, we thank you so much for the word of God, for the scriptures, for these stories of these men who really lived and who really went through these things. We thank you that they can be examples to us in our lives. Father, help us to be, help us all to be the Ezra's that you want us to be. Help us to seek you. Help us to love you. Help us to just appreciate what you do. And Lord, that we can indeed say, I have courage. I have courage in Christ's name. Amen. Let's do one more thing today. And I would be, if I didn't do this today, then I, I really wouldn't be doing what I need to do. I want you just to, again, bow your heads, everybody, one more time. I have a question to ask. Maybe there's somebody here today, and, and I don't know the hearts of, of you people here, but maybe there's somebody here today. You know, say, I don't really understand. I don't really understand this situation and, and, and what he's asking up here and what he's talking about. And I just wonder, maybe there's somebody here that has never come to know Christ as your Savior. You have never come and bowed before Christ and said, Jesus, I believe you are who you are, and I want you in my life. I want you to be my Savior. And I just wondered if there may be somebody in here today that might, might want to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I, I don't know Christ. And and just, just pray for me. And, and there's no one looking around. It's just going to be between me and you and the Lord. Is there anyone in here today that might say that, would want to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me? Anybody here today? Thank you. I see that hand. I will pray for you. I will pray for you. Father, we thank you for your blessings today. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you love us the way you do. I pray that you'd bless this individual today. I pray that your hand would be upon them, that you would touch them that they would come to know you. And again, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. In Christ's name, amen. All right, let's stand. Would you please, everyone standing, I think we're going we're gonna to give an invitation this morning. So I want everybody to stand. And uh, I don't exactly know how Pastor Charles uh, does this.
By the way, you need to be praying for Pastor Charles. He's getting his batteries recharged, if you will. Every pastor needs that. You need to be praying for him. But here's what I want to do today. I want to give a, a, just a couple verses of invitation. If you feel like you need to come down here and you need to pray and you need to ask God to, to bless you and to be that Ezra, if you want to come down here and do that today as we, as we just give this brief invitation, if you want to come down here and shake my hand and say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus, plain and simple. I don't know how else to make it any simpler. But if you want to come down, we're going to have a couple verses. And if you'd like to do that, then come on down.